What in the wide world of college football is going on here? We're going to talk about some realignment stuff on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome to Locked On Sooners. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. And joining me as he does every day is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, it seems like just yesterday we were doing the same thing with Oklahoma and Texas. And now we've got more realignment news maybe less than a year later. Now USC, UCLA are heading to the Big Ten of all places. What 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 do you make of all this? I think if you go back and search the annals of this show, even in the couple of months that you and I have been doing it together, somewhere along the way I made the remark to you when we talked about Oklahoma and Texas's move that I didn't think we were all the way done with conference realignment and that I thought George Klyvkoff needed to be on guard for the USC's, and I thought Oregon's of the world. If you had told me what the pairing would look like coming out of the Pac-12, at least to start, we might not be totally done yet out of the Pac-12 conference. Uh, I believe that both Oregon and Washington have also filed for membership into the Big Ten Conference. That's happened today as well. So the revolving uh, revolving doors, the musical chairs and all of this, we're not quite finished yet. But I probably wouldn't have said it would be USC and UCLA. Obviously, that makes sense when you step back and think of it just in terms of the Los Angeles market. But ultimately, what do I think of it, John, on just surface level? I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. The Big Ten saw the SEC make a splash move by adding Oklahoma and Texas. And then once they got into these big TV negotiations – with the Fox, with the others of the world, I think what they found out was why not add a little bit more if you can add a little bit more. At USC, at UCLA, they obviously saw the writing on the wall in the Pac-12 conference, man, that, look, we're going to be playing – we're going to be definitely playing third fiddle out here in the Pac-12 conference. And there's a realistic possibility we're playing fourth or fifth fiddle behind both the ACC and Big 12 conference financially as much ruin as the big 12 we thought might have been in post Oklahoma and Texas announcing their departures and accepting their membership invitations to the Southeastern conference, the PAC 12, even with USC and UCLA wasn't necessarily in that much better of a spot than the big 12 minus Oklahoma and Texas. And so if that's the situation that you found yourself in USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, whoever, if I'm Clive Kauf, I would have been looking over my shoulder every last second. But the amazing thing is, John, he got Bob Bowlesby. Yeah, and a lot of us did. I mean, this came out of nowhere. Just like the Oklahoma and Texas moves a year ago, where it's like, oh, hey, all of a sudden, this is a thing that's been in the works for months and just now breaking as you know their applications to the Big Ten are becoming formal, their acceptance was formalized. And then, as you mentioned, there's rumor now that Washington and Oregon 
have also applied for membership. I did think it was interesting that USC and UCLA went together as a package deal because, like you said, you'd think that it'd be Oregon would be the, the pairing there. What do you think a team, and, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I think a team like Oklahoma State is looking at that and like, come on, Oklahoma, see, you could have brought us. Maybe we don't have the same media, major media market that UCLA has, but you know, USC was kind of looking out for their quote unquote little brother. I mean, UCLA is a historical power, but they haven't really been one in the last two, three decades. Basketball, there's still a bit of a power. And so it, it, it was very fascinating to me that that's, that that's going to be the case. And I think for the big 10, man, what a win for them. They get an LA market as part of their conference schedule. I can't remember who mentioned it. May, it might've been uh, one of your colleagues over at the, at the ref, uh, Travis, um, when he said that somebody really, Oh no, it was Joey um, really gave Oklahoma, or the big 10, a major media market, like uh, and an inroad into Southern California recruiting. Like they did that on purpose. Um, and so it, it's really fascinating that like now Ohio state is going to get to play in LA on a regular basis. Michigan's going to get to play in, in LA on a regular basis. I, I think that creates a lot of really interesting matchups, similar to you know what the SEC is going to look like in, in a year or two when Oklahoma and Texas get there. It's like almost every single week you're going to have these big-time marquee matchups. And, and it's not just going to be Oklahoma, but everybody in the conference is going to have that. That's going to be the same for the new Big Ten when you add two you know, blue blood programs, at least historically uh, on the national scene, you know, you're going to get, you know, one week you might get a USC and Ohio state when you'd have to wait for the Rose bowl to get that matchup. And you might not always get it because a, a team like a Wisconsin would sneak up and, and win the big 10. Now you're going to get that very regularly. And if Oregon and Washington make the move too, I mean, that's a lot of fun just for college sports in general. I know there's going to be a lot of reaction to like, this is, bad for college football, but in a money-making sense, which is what college football is about, let's be real, this is going to be really good for college football, and it's going to be really good for those schools. Like Even if you're a Rutgers or a Northwestern, you're going to get paid big because of the new media deal that the Big Ten is going to be able to negotiate by having the LA market as part of its kind of regional base, regional quote-unquote, because they're not really regional, but I think that's that, that's going to make it for a lot of really, really fun matchups. I mean, every single Saturday between the SEC now and the Big Ten, it's going to be a great, great game almost every single week. And if these you know, schedulers are smart, that's how they'll book it so that every Saturday, whether it's Big Noon kickoff or ESPN College Game Day, they're going to have like the marquee matchup to sell. And they're going to be competing once one against another. And it's going to be interesting where this leaves the rest of the country. And for the Pac-12, Josh, what do they do? What, like, what's the next step? We saw the Big 12 have to react reactionary. They added BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF. But what's the Pac-12's move here? Well, first things first, the Pac-12 needs to figure out, okay, are Oregon and Washington gone? Is Stanford gone? They, they, they need to try and figure out what that landscape looks like before all of a sudden they start getting active with maybe some Mountain West schools. For example, to me, when you just think about like media markets and all of this, you're right, the Big Ten, this is a massive coup for them in that respect because what? Now you've got Los Angeles and Chicago 
and New York City and uh, obviously Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, those types of markets that the Big Ten now now has access in really a large market share of all of those markets. Well, for the Pac-12 moving forward, Las Vegas, okay, it's not the same market as Los Angeles, right? But UNLV from that perspective would be a natural add. Colorado State, if Colorado, again, is a school that's staying in, in the Pac-12 conference, adding Colorado State to pair with Colorado would make sense just in terms of the Denver market. Now, that's a Denver Broncos city. I don't know how much genuine sway either the University of Colorado or Colorado State really has in a lot of this, but you can at least make that argument that you've fortified a little bit the Colorado Springs, the Denver markets there. I think that's step one, though, is figuring out, okay, who's staying, who's going, and then from that point, man, I think you really kind of look at the landscape, the entire landscape of college football. The Clive Coffs of the world's got to now talk with the Yormark of the world and a Jim Phillips of the world and figure out, okay, what does this mean now? The dominoes elsewhere in the Big 12 and in the ACC. I think the Big 10 and the SEC are going to keep adding. I can see this thing going all the way to 20 and 24 schools for both the Big 10 and the SEC. So, you know, with that in mind, okay, well, what does what does leftover look like for the Pac-12 conference? And will that merge with whatever's left over of the Big 12 conference or the ACC? I mean, those seem like logical bets going forward. Yeah, it seems like the Big 12 is pretty well fortified at, at the moment and could be the, the, the conference looking to absorb teams now as opposed to being the one like trying to – to figure out what they're going to do for the future. Now they're in a position with, you know, the being at 12 minus Texas and Oklahoma, you're at a place where, okay, we can absorb some teams. We can, we can be the landing spot for some of these PAC 12 teams. If some, if the ACC kind of starts merging or having, or losing teams to the big 10 or the SEC, maybe we could be a landing spot for a Virginia or a Duke or a North Carolina, something like that. So there's, there's a lot of fascinating um, angles to take with this. And, and I do want to touch on kind of what is next for the Big Ten, what's next for the Big 12 and the SEC. We'll talk about that coming up after I talk to you about Bet Online. It's your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, and more. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, e-scores, e-sports, and scores. So go to betonline.net. It remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Bet Online is where the game starts. And thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Thanks for helping us reach 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. Now we're trying to go for 2,500 before the start of the 2022 college football season. Make sure you subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. Josh, let's take a look at the Big 12 side of this. Um, they're left in a really interesting position here as a conference that has at least some stability now moving forward as you know the Pac-12 looks to be hemorrhaging teams and the Big Ten's expanding you got to think the SEC is going to be looking to make a move to keep up with the Big Ten at some point. They'll probably stay regional looking out east, and we can talk about them in a little bit. But for the Big 12, how do they, how do they respond to this 
Brett Yormark, the new commissioner who doesn't officially start until August 1st, is going to have a big, big kind of challenge on his hands to keep the Big 12 relevant as the Big 10 looks to expand to quote unquote super conference and the SEC looks to join them in that ranks. Where do they, where do they turn? Well, first off, it might be time to go ahead and amend that Brett Yormark contract and get him expedited to start July 1st. I don't think you can wait around if you're the Big 12 conference and have your most important leader, your commissioner, because let's call it what it is. I mean, Bowlesby right now for this next month is essentially he's a figurehead, right? Until Yormark steps in and really starts uh, his his tenure as the commissioner. I, I don't think the Big 12, I don't think that's good for them. I think they need him in office as the commissioner right now, today. So that would be step one for me uh, for the Big 12 conference. Get that done, get him ready to roll, get that reworked to where he's in charge of things starting again, boom, tomorrow, this week, whenever that would be sometime very, very quickly. Because again, this USC UCLA thing, it it happened like Oklahoma, Texas, John, but it actually happened much quicker than Oklahoma and Texas happened a year ago. Remember with OU and Texas, we kind of had those first reports that started leaking out of the Houston Chronicle. And then it took a matter of a couple of days before those, before Oklahoma and Texas formally applied for membership into the SEC and before the SEC boom signed off and it was unanimously uh, voted to accept those invitations from Oklahoma and Texas or, or to extend the membership invitations to Oklahoma and Texas and then the Board of Regents respectively from OU and Texas obviously uh, saying yes to the SEC. This happened quicker than that. Now, is that just because it happened a little bit better behind closed doors before John Wilner broke the report? Yeah, uh, maybe so, but it does kind of give us an indication that, okay, if we think that there's just magically because of USC and UCLA and now the Big Ten's even, so to speak, with the SEC in terms of having 16-member schools, I don't know that you can necessarily bank on anywhere that the next uh, domino is not going to fall very, very quickly. So with all of that in mind, the the Big 12, if you're your mark, you try to get additive, right? You try to get in touch with the Arizona schools and add them. Colorado, because of their prior relationship with the Big 12 conference, would be a natural candidate to jump back into the Big 12. Some sort of a merger talk. That should be on the table. Uh, a conversation, I think, with the ACC and Jim Phillips is not a bad idea for Big 12 conference because – I say all of this with this in mind, John. I don't think the Big 12 safe. I don't. I think Oklahoma State, if this keeps going the direction this thing might go, Clemson and Florida State and Miami seem like natural additions to the SEC, right, if we keep adding teams. Oklahoma State would not be an unusual addition for the SEC either because they pair, obviously, with Oklahoma. I think the University of Kansas is an intriguing addition to the SEC just because of the idea that you pair them with Kentucky basketball. I know that we spend so much time thinking about football, 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 and that is the revenue generator. But to me, the Big 12 is not totally safe in terms of having member institutions not just defect tomorrow to go to the big cash payout of an SEC if they keep adding or a cash payout of the Big 10 if they keep adding. So to answer your question very long-windedly here, John, 
the the next step for the Big 12 is they got to secure their own future too, and they got to get additive, and they got to get additive now. And I think you're right. I think there is a scenario where the Big 12 starts losing teams, whether it's Iowa State to the Big 10, West Virginia and, and the schools you mentioned to the SEC, or even West Virginia to the ACC, where they've got a longstanding relationship with Pitt and Virginia Tech. And, you know, many of those schools, Miami from their Big Ten days, Boston College, like there's a scenario where you're, you're right that the Big 12 starts to hemorrhage teams as well, or these schools start looking at the landscape and thinking, well, we better get in on this. And I think Oklahoma State with Oklahoma would make a lot of sense. And I think that's the natural move for them if they do leave the Big 12. But what I'd really like to see, and, and I'd really like to see the Big 12 add. I'd really like to see them get Colorado. The Arizona schools don't really move the needle for me. I was really hoping it'd be somebody like Oregon, but with the report that they're, they've applied for membership with the Big Ten, that doesn't seem like a possibility right now. So go get Utah. Utah would be a great fit with BYU right there. They just won the Pac-12. They may not be a national power with a national brand, but it's a good program. And athletically, it's a solid program around, like, holistically, not just in football, but they do well in basketball every so often. They've done well in, in some of the other you know big-time sports, softball, baseball, things like that. So I think there's, there is a way to bring schools in that are going to raise your profile a little bit, raise the competition level, which should draw more eyes. If you bring in a Utah, you bring back Colorado from the Pac-12, I think that'd be huge for the Big 12. If the Arizona schools come, that, that's great. I think for, for other sports right now, I don't think it moves the needle for football, but for basketball, I think it does move the needle. It helps with keeping Kansas and giving them viable rivals and opponents and Texas Tech as well. And maybe a cow, like you do have a private school kind of um, characteristic to part of your conference with TCU and Baylor and BYU. You add a, a school like Cal or Stanford, if Stanford's not able to get into the Big Ten, those could make some sense. Or And so I think like the Pac-12, I don't think they have really many other answers except to maybe merge with the Big 12. I think adding schools from the Mountain West doesn't really help them because unlike the big 12 bringing in the top, you know, American athletic conference schools in Cincinnati, UCF and Houston, and then adding a school like BYU, that's not just got a national presence, but an international presence. I think that that's a bigger step than with all due respect, adding San Diego state, or you mentioned UNLV or Nevada uh, Utah State, something like that. I, I don't think that does it. I don't think that's going to keep them afloat as a national power conference like the Big 12 did when they added Cincinnati, who just made a playoff, Houston, who was contending for the AAC and was the team to that was going to potentially keep Cincinnati out of the playoff, UCF, who's been nationally relevant in the last five, six years, and BYU, who's seemingly always relevant, even as they went independent, they held their own against the Power Five and were basically an independent Power Five school. Even though they might not have been viewed that way, their scheduling and the way that they took it to the Power Five when they scheduled them, I mean, they were essentially a Power Five program like Notre Dame. And so I think, yeah, George Klavkov, he's in trouble, man. And the conference, the Pac-12, as we know it, may not be around here in a couple of weeks as we know USC and UCLA are gone. 
probably Oregon's gone as well. And so you lose your two, you know, best programs of the last 20 years in USC and Oregon and UCLA, one of your historical great, historically great programs, who's also really good in a lot of other things like softball, basketball. So yeah, the PAC 12, you've got some trouble ahead, troubling waters. And yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how a guy like Brett Yormark, who's got a lot of experience in other sports like NASCAR, the NBA, the entertainment world is going to be able to react to this. And I think that experience where it's it's not college football based, but it's well-rounded. We talked about this on the on the Locked On Big 12 Roundtable show, which will come to your feed over the weekend. His well-rounded experience in something other than college sports, I think is going to give him a unique perspective to attack this challenge and attack the challenge of the new media rights deals, attack the challenge of negotiating a buyout with Texas and Oklahoma. I think everything fast forwards a little bit and we can talk about what this means for Oklahoma and the SEC and a certain Lincoln Riley coming up after the break. But I also want to show you a few of the best social media reactions that we've seen. Now, if you're not subscribed on YouTube, you're not following on YouTube, you're going to miss seeing these, but I'll read them to you. So at Karen E. Howell says the PAC 12 is in talks with the university of Phoenix. Did them. <laughs> yikes this is the yeah. one that th this next one is the one that you probably saw 15 different renditions of this but it's from steady eddie and he just tweeted out the geographical picture of what the big 10 conference looks like ucla and usc all the way out there lonely in los angeles their next well their closest road game Nebraska, 1,500 miles away. Just uh, amazing. If you're one of those folks that is looking at this and thinking about geography, forget about it. It doesn't matter anymore. And <laughs> Conference USA was really ahead of the game on that, weren't they? Like they just – they had their profile spread so far and everybody kind of made fun of it. They're like, where are the regional rivalries? Where's the – how's that going to work for travel? Well, here we, here we are, like a decade later, and now the Conference USA kind of idea is coming to fruition where regions don't matter. Travel doesn't seem to matter anymore. I mean, the Big 12 is going to see it too with BYU traveling down to UCF or Texas Tech going to play Cincinnati. Like, it, it doesn't matter anymore. Travel doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. And that's why, you know, thinking about the, the Big 12 a little bit further, I don't think it's the craziest idea for the Big 12 maybe – after, you know, post OU Texas, if they don't try to get to 20, right? And then just like add a couple more East type schools, maybe a Memphis, whoever you want to toss into that mix, maybe South Florida, you think about them too. And you kind of break down the conference into to East and West. Since you are already spread so thin the way that you are, uh, you start kind of just thinking about maybe what that picture looks like. But yes, uh, they were ahead of the game. The only problem was they were missing USC and Oklahoma and Alabama right. and Notre Dame. They're missing a couple of important pieces. Right. And, and that's a great question. Like, what is, what's going to happen? I saw your tweet about Notre Dame. Like, they, they can't sit independent very much longer. No, I don't think so. It, there's just, John, there's only so long in my mind. And we, we've seen this now. We saw it from Oklahoma and Texas. We saw it from now USC and UCLA. 
We're seeing it from Oregon and Washington. You're about to see it from a couple of other schools, I think, too. Clemson, Florida State, Miami. They're about to jump into the party. Maybe in North Carolina. I mean, anybody that can dip their toe into the types of financial waters that's about to become in the Big Ten and SEC membership schools ways. If you're in that party, great. That means that you're positioned to really sustain success across the board, football, basketball, baseball, softball, all all of your sports. It means that you can keep all of your sports, John. I mean, that could be a problem for some programs in the future is they just can't afford some of these other Olympic sports. Well, by getting that windfall of cash that these uh, membership schools in the Big Ten and SEC are going to get, they're not going to run into that problem. So Notre Dame at some point I think is just going to look at the picture around them and say, wait a second, USC, UCLA, Oklahoma, Texas, these schools are making $100 million a year and we're making, you know, half of that or whatever Dame is making. I mean, there's only so long you can make that much less than your chief competition and justify it because of some noble ideal that you want to be independent. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that's going to last much, much longer. And I think the move is the Big Ten. Like, that would make the most sense, especially given that USC is now going to the Big Ten. The the rivalry, the history between the two, it, it would make too much sense. You got Notre Dame-Michigan, Notre Dame-USC. If they ended up anywhere else, I'd be really disappointed if, if they're going to eventually make the move. If they went to the ACC, it just wouldn't hit the same hit the same way. Like, Saturdays in South Bend wouldn't feel the same as they would if they were part of the Big Ten. What if they went to the SEC? I mean, I think you can still make a lot of really, really intriguing matchups, but it still wouldn't feel the same. Like, I just feel like because of where they are in Indiana, because of their longstanding history with Michigan and with USC, it, I, I just feel like they've got to be in the Big Ten. The Big now, Ten is w- the Big Ten's the natural fit. I agree with you. Yes. I wouldn't hate it. Obviously, it'd be awesome. It's like for Oklahoma and Notre Dame to play on a regular basis. That'd be so much fun. But yeah. All right. A couple more reactions and we'll finish out with a few more thoughts here. A lot of talk of if UCLA and USC could play in the heavy rain and snowy Big Ten games. Where are those asking if the current Big Ten teams can play in front of empty crowds in L.A.? Says <laughs> no context college football. Uh, then, it's a fair question. We're so caught up in this weather thing. How are these Big Ten teams that are used to playing in front of uh, 100,000 people at the Horseshoe and in the big house and Kinnick Stadium for a big game and Penn State? How are they going to handle going out there to Los Angeles when nobody shows up? That's right. They're all. That's like a Kansas game for OU, right? We saw how that worked out last year. That's right. That's right. And it's going to be just mind mind altering for them to to not be playing in front of anybody. It'd be like a preseason game in the NFL. And then Big Ten Ben, former host of the Locked On Big Ten podcast, said, when USC and UCLA see an opponent bring in a fullback, and you got Michael Scott from the office saying, I understand nothing. He's yeah. got a very upset look upon his face, too. He's very frustrated by the fullback. That's right. That's going to be quite interesting for Alex Grinch to uh, see three tight ends and a fullback uh, on first and 10 from the 25-yard line. Josh, So you've mentioned it now a couple times, the SEC, Florida State, Miami, Clemson. That would be crazy because that would be huge, huge powerhouses joining the SEC. But it's what makes a lot of sense. If you're Greg Sankey, 
you're you're making phone calls. You're seeing, all right, what's your interest level of having Florida and on your on your regular conference schedule? I mean, he's going to be making those calls, and I think those schools now might have a little bit of loyalty coming from Clemson because we know Dabo, but if you're Miami, if and we know we know John Ruiz, the big booster that's you know handing out all the big NIL deals for Miami. He's going to be looking at this, and if he has any say and any influence in that program, he's going to be like, go to the SEC. That's where you're going to get your big payouts that's going to help boost your profile as a program and make you much more competitive on the national scene. So, man, I say to you, like, they go to 16 or they go to 20 if they can add those three schools and say a North Carolina or a Virginia Tech. Well, what, what do you think is going to happen there? I think that's the natural direction this is going. There's just – there's programs like Clemson and Florida State, Miami who wants to get back to uh, obviously some of their glory from the past, uh, a North Carolina who wants to protect their basketball future. Same thing with Kansas, right? That's – ever since this went down with OU and Texas has been making, making those behind-the-scenes phone calls. Hey, Big Ten. Hey, Big Ten. Do you have a spot for us? Is there an extra seat at the table? Well, there were two extra seats at the table for USC and UCLA. And I think now that that's happened and the Big Ten has gotten to where they've matched the SEC at 16, it just feels like it's so obvious now that you've got these programs. And specifically, let's talk football, right? Clemson, who's won a couple of recent national championships. Florida State, who, look, they're they're down, but they're not that far removed from Jameis Winston winning a Heisman Trophy and winning a national championship. Miami, who, again, has a history of winning national championships in college football. Programs that value, that want to win at the highest level in college football. And I just think that they see the writing on the wall, what the grant of rights looks like with the ACC, what the future television contract negotiation, which, oh, by the way, I mean, John, that TV deal is so bad in the ACC. I don't think they're going to be able to – their grant of rights runs through like 2035 or mm-hmm. something crazy right like that. And all of these other schools that matter in college football are about to be making – the report from John Wilner was that the Big 12 uh, – excuse me, the Big 10 schools, they're going to be getting paid an annual sum of $100 million in media rights revenue. That will dwarf, dwarf what the ACC schools are getting. It's more than double – what the ACC schools are getting. So when Clemson and Florida State see and hear that and Miami sees and hears that, I'm sorry. They're going to work their way out. They're going to go to the SEC. And really it's going to be a matter – I think two things are certain. Clemson and Florida State I feel like are guarantees to come to the SEC. And then it's all about does the SEC stop at 20? And if they stop at 20, then who are those other two schools? Miami seems like a natural ad just because obviously then you totally lock down the state of Florida with Florida, Florida State, and Miami. North Carolina, because they've been better in football, and of course what they bring in basketball, I think would would make sense. I keep tossing that name Kansas around just because I do think the SEC, once they kind of get further around and further along in this process, they're just going to want at least one dance partner with Kentucky. But North Carolina fits that bill, so it might be those four. Yeah, and even if you decided like that adding Kansas, even if you don't add North Carolina, adding Kansas makes the SEC still a really good 
basketball school or program or conference. Sorry, because Alabama has been really good lately. Auburn was really good this last year. It's it is Arkansas, very Arkansas, a very good basketball conference. And man, there's so many different directions that they could take. They could decide to go to 24 or even 30 and just just blow the whole thing out of the water, bring in the top ACC schools, bring in the top Big 12 schools and just really get crazy with this. And I mean, there's no telling where this ends. And I don't know if we'll know that answer in the next few months, probably won't know where it all ends for a few years now, but with the media rights deal for the sec and the big 10 coming up, I feel like we'll get some kind of an answer as to where we'll be for at least the next five to 10 years within the next calendar year. Like I think, probably by next summer we'll have some sort of an idea of what these conferences are going to look like for at least the next decade of our lives before realignment happens again, because it seems like realignment comes in 10 year cycles. We saw it 10 years ago with the big 12 departures to the sec, the big 10 and the pack. Now it is the pack 12. We saw it just this last year. And now with what's happening, I, I think you're right. We're not done. I think we're going to see more of this. So the guy that's trending on social media, though, Josh, former Oklahoma Sooners coach Lincoln Riley, who apparently was not too keen to go to the SEC, according to some rumors out there. But now we're going to the Big Ten. So what does this mean for Lincoln Riley, Josh? It means that if legitimately that was a factor in his departure from Oklahoma, if happened to tango with Alabama and Georgia and Florida, you name it, up and down the SEC. If that was something that spooked him a little bit, then kiss your reign atop the Pac-12 goodbye because guess what? You're joining the Big Ten Conference in 2024. And similar to what Texas A&M and their arrival did for SEC schools in the state of Texas, I think absolutely the same thing happens for Ohio State, for Michigan, for Michigan State, for Penn State, into the state of California, right? We've seen Oklahoma even get into California and pick up some prospects here and there. So this monopoly, this idea that Lincoln Riley was going to have a a monopoly on the state of California, I think that's totally by the wayside too. Now, he'll get the first pick and – will be the favorite in a lot of recruitments because it's USC and it's Los Angeles and you get to stay home and it is a historical program in USC. But now all of a sudden, the fact that you're making these regular trips uh, to to Michigan, to Ohio State, and going back to Los Angeles if you're for you, to me, that works against, against Lincoln Riley. And obviously, if he thought that he could coast into the Pac-12 conference and really only have to mess around with a school like Oregon. (laughs) Welcome to the party. Now you get to battle Michigan. You get to battle Ohio State. You get to battle Penn State. And I don't know that that's quite as daunting. It's not as the SEC. But Ohio State alone is more daunting than having to deal with Oregon on a regular basis. You know, the Big Ten might not have the, you know, top elite teams like Georgia, like two elite teams like Georgia and Alabama, or, you know, every once in a while, like an LSU creeps up, but I feel like they've got really solid depth, like one through six, like any of those teams could jump up and win the conference. It seems like every single year, Michigan, Michigan state, Ohio state, Penn state, uh, Wisconsin is in there. 
So maybe five teams. Maybe I'm missing somebody off the top of my head. Uh, but I feel like there's just good depth. And so even if they aren't able to or are, are able to compete and contend pretty quickly in, in the conference, they might still not get through a season unscathed. Like it's going to be a lot of two loss seasons. And I think this is going to be what's really, really important. And we haven't even had a chance to touch on this. We'll have to circle back on this for next week. But that's why college football playoff expansion was so important that the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 just threw out the window is that maybe they didn't see, or maybe the Big Ten didn't see the, that they were going to expand. But if this has been in the work for months and then Big 12 or college football playoff expansion like fell by the wayside just a few months ago, that was very short-sighted because now you're going to have a harder time getting your team into the college football playoff in a 14 playoff. Much like what would have happened with the SEC in an 18 playoff, you could get two, maybe three teams in. The same could have been true for the Big Ten, except now we're going to have to wait for college football playoff expansion for a year, maybe two more years. And I, and I think that's what's going to be really fascinating to see is how does this impact what the college football playoff situation looks like in 2024 when you have all these teams vying for one conference title and they're beating up on each other. And maybe you end up with a conference championship, conference champion with two losses, but they're like, oh, I'm sorry, you got two losses while Cincinnati or Baylor's over here and they've got the one loss and won the Big 12 or whoever's left in the Pac-12 ends up with one loss. And hey, they're a power five conference, quote unquote. But it, it's just, there's a lot kind of at stake here. And the way that the alliance, quote unquote, I mean, it was, it was like, handshake stab you in the back sort of alliance at this point the way that all transpired and now how the college football playoff is not going to happen the expansion is not going to happen for at least a couple more years i mean that affects the big 10 it affects usc and ucla just as much as it affects anybody else at this point the sec they'll be fine i think the big 12 will do well if they can get one team with a one win conference championship or sorry one loss conference champion but I, I feel like the Big Ten will see a lot what we saw this last year. A lot of just the top teams at the top beating up on each other. Yeah, but I think that's okay. I, I think yeah. that's that's okay. Maybe for the next four or five years, that's a little bit of an issue. But when does the college football playoff expire? Is it 2025 for the so, first yeah. deal? John, yeah. I think we might be in the works for a totally different complexion in terms of what the college football playoff looks like. It might be about to be the Big Ten SEC Invitational and hey, Pac-12, hey, ACC, hey, Big 12. You guys wanted to stave off uh, expansion way back when. Well, sorry, now there's no invitation into the uh, postseason playoff that really is going to matter and decide the national champion in college football. I mean, all bets are off at this point. There's no guarantee that whatever the remnants of the Pac-12 conference winds up looking like, the Big 12, the ACC, there's no guarantees that there's any seat at the table for them in a college football playoff or whatever that looks like in the future. And, oh, by the way, if you're USC or UCLA, who cares that you might have more losses in the future? Because basically the way this thing is trending and the way it looks like this thing is headed, if you're a part of those two super conferences that junior nfl which this is turning into then guess what it doesn't matter if you have a couple of blocks
losses, you're going to be in whatever made for made for television postseason. ESPN ultimately dial up. Yeah, and I, th- I think you're right. This is looking very much like the NFC AFC or the NFL AFL uh, of the past, where maybe you have an SEC playoff, a Big Ten playoff, and those two meet for a championship game, and it's booked the Super Bowl of college football or something like that. Uh, so many different fascinating angles, and we'll learn more over the weekend. And so when we come back for our first show next week, um, we're going to have even more information to talk about on this front. We didn't even mention Oklahoma got a commitment from Samuel Omasigo tonight or today on Thursday. Huge commit. Guy that's a rising player at linebacker, four-star. We talked about him with Parker Thune on our uh, Thursday show or Wednesday night show, Thursday, if you're listening on the podcast. So make sure you go check that out. Parker dropped a lot of great insight and knowledge on that front. Uh, make sure you go back and listen to our episodes with Jackson Arnold, Joshua Bates, and Caleb Hicks as well. And go check out our great episode with Alex Storacco if you missed that one too. New pitcher for the Oklahoma Sooners from Michigan. Uh, just a lot of great insight into her recruitment, what it was like to hear from Patty Gasso, all that good stuff. Josh, man, it's been so much fun talking conference realignment, and we're not going to be done because there's going to be more that transpires over the rest of the summer. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Sooners. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for subscribing to the show on YouTube. We're free and available on all podcast platforms as well. Make sure you go check it out wherever you get your podcasts. He's Josh. I'm John. Have a great weekend. Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, July, everybody. That's right. Drive safe. Don't drink and drive. Call a friend. Call an Uber. Call a Lyft. Do something. Uh, but be safe. Be responsible. But have a great time. Enjoy time with your friends and family uh, in these interesting times in our country. God bless America. God bless you. Josh, we'll see you next week. Sounds good, man. Boomer sooner. Boomer sooner.